Welcome to issue 168 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me tonight is Steve. How are you, sir? Daniel, how's it going? Oh, fantastic, Steve. I'm very excited for your story time tonight. Oh, good. Also here to listen to your story time is our dear and beloved friend, Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm good, Daniel. I'm delighted you're here. Yes, but you're also disappointed in me. <laughs> A little bit. <sighs> yeah, never, ever heard of that song. Oh, I had this great pitch for the next parody song. And Daniel has no idea what I'm talking about. Zero. <sighs> I've heard of the singer, though. The listeners wouldn't hear that parody for like another year. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. Okay. But enough of that. Daniel? Yeah. On, uh, on the start of your long road to redemption, <laughs> I need you to tell me what's on your mind tonight. I will. It's more a who. Who's on my mind? And that's Tommy Drake, who sent us an email. Um, it ends really funny, too. So anyway... Here's what Tommy has to ask us. Hi, villains. Tommy Drake here. Inspired by Maka's great question on minions, I have a discussion topic that's been on my mind. Villain tempo. While heroes generally build tempo throughout a game, most villains only get a boost when they advance a main scheme, crossbones or claw, or when you defeat a villain stage, Taskmaster, Mutagen, Formula. The problem with this is that cheating, underhanded, no-good heroes can stall and time their advances for when they're ready to deal with these boosts. This is what makes Mojo really interesting. He gets his tempo boost from running through his own encounter deck. It's on his terms at his own pace. You can maybe plan for it, but you can't stall. Is there a question in this somewhere? Or am I just monologuing? I guess I'm asking, what are your thoughts on villain tempo? What methods of boosting villain tempo do you like? And are there other ways you'd like to see implemented in the future? Thanks for putting on such a great show. You're honestly one of my favorite podcasts about Marvel Champions encounter sets. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks, Tommy, especially for that last bit. Um, Tommy, Tommy, what a great question. Great question. Who wants to go first? Well, I'm going to let you two geniuses answer this one. I'll go first, because mine's kind of short. Um, I like, he, I think he mentions it right there with Mojo. Like, the tempo is on the villain's own terms, and you can't stall for it. So there's a little bit of that in Zola as well, right? Every time the villain phase starts, you put a counter on something, and something builds. You have Zola does that. Absorbing Man does that. Um, I don't know. There's other other villains maybe that do it. I like that sort of thing, uh, reminiscent of like a time counter from Lord of the Rings. So something that is going to happen no matter what the players do. So they can't like they can't turtle. They can't stall. It's going to happen. And and maybe the more they stall, the better the villain gets. How that works, uh, I'm not sure. You know, you wouldn't want that for every villain, but something along those lines. I like those kinds of things. I agree. And I think we're seeing bits of that more and more. Magog is one example where he's eventually he's just going to win out if you stall. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, but we're also seeing villains with a lot more specialized attachments. Uh, I think we really started seeing that to a big degree in Sinister Motives. Like you could see it beforehand in. Um, Oh my god, Mad Titan Shadow with Loki getting his all of his attachments 
Uh, you see it in Sinister Motives with uh, Venom Goblin got, gets a whole bunch of attachments. In, a, in our game, didn't he have four at one point? Yeah. And I think that works. If, you, if a villain has a key attachment, like, say, Ronin and his hammer, you're getting rid of the hammer, right? Problem solved. Whereas if they have more attachments, then eventually you realize, I can't just keep doing all the things to get rid of the attachments, so I might as well just leave them on the villain. And in that sense, the villain does kind of ramp up a little bit. Yeah, or, or maybe even some attachments that once they're out, you can't get rid of, or they're, or getting rid of them is cost prohibitive. So yeah, you really don't want to. Um, you could, but you know, you gotta kill a ally or destroy one of your own supports to get rid of it. That sort of thing. So yeah, that'd be yep. cool. I mean, Magneto has what his cape, his helmet, his everything in the games that I play against him because I can't afford to get rid of them. Yeah, not yeah. not in solo anyway. So in that sense, I see it. You're right, though, uh, Tommy, in that a lot of these villains don't. I mean, their tempo is go through the whole encounter deck and then you get plus one threat per turn, which really doesn't do it. Uh, and I agree, it is absolutely cheaty of these heroes to do that when the villains don't can't do that as well. I think you yeah, hit on something. This is your Steve. main complaint for Hella and stuff like that, right, Mike? And so, oh yeah, absolutely. But, there is no tempo with Hella. The tempo is you advancing the game, which is not fair. But another aspect of what Tommy's asking us is, what are some other ways we'd like to see it implemented in the future? I like stuff like, like Loki, not just the attachments, but like how he bounces himself out and in. Right, that's a little bit different, and and Venom Goblin with the various locations. So maybe playing with stuff like that more where it's sort of whack-a-mole around like a map kind of thing. Um, That's a constant pressure thing. Yeah. Sorry, that's a constant pressure thing, right? It's in a sense, it's like, it's, it's like Zola, like what Steve was saying. It's a bit of a tempo boost, but it's also fairly constant and in a sense, predictable. It doesn't build over time. Like if Venom Goblin was a scenario where every three rounds one of the cities had to flip, that would be a tempo boost. I see. But I think Steve touched on something. Like, what if you couldn't get rid of some attachments? We've already got some precedent that uh, Fanatic in Ronin set. Is it Cree Fanatic? The one where he has the rage counters and you can't get rid of them? Oh, right. Yeah, you can't. He can. Yeah, he can. Okay, but what if you had yep. things that you know stuck around that you couldn't deal with? We only have a couple of those in the game. That's certainly one way of doing it. Yeah, and you had mentioned this when we talked uh, Mysterio, too, how you liked his uh, tempo because mid-game or late-game, all those cards have been shuffled into your deck, and then all of a sudden you get this big boost later on. Yeah, because it it just happens, because it's timed with how quickly you go through your deck, it's perfectly matched to how well you're set up. That's why I like his tempo. Yeah, you could, you could implement other things, too, where when... Um, Players' decks runs out. Certain things happen. If encounter deck runs out, other things happen. Um, various, maybe guard, patrol, or crisis. That when they leave play, additional things happen, like changing the tempo, which sort of goes back to like claw and crossbones, right? Like when when they do something, they kind of get this minor boost. But you could you could crank that up a notch, maybe. So. Yeah, yeah. What if when you went through a deck, they got a, a boost to their attack or scheme. Yeah, then you can't turtle. Yeah. 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 Or, hear me out, uh -oh. play with Krampus all the <laughs> yes. time. All the time. 
Well, there you go. Yeah, that modular set does it. Something along those lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go, everybody. Krampus. Krampus. Well, thanks, Tommy. Um, I think this is probably something we can even talk more about later when we think of more possibilities for implementation. Um, yeah, or if we see it in another villain scenario that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to thank Tommy for, for saying that we're one of his favorite podcasts about the encounter sets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to hear. I'm number glad to hear one that. in Chile. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't been number one in a while. Tommy's so. heart. Yeah. But uh, Steve... Today's issue says Shadow of the Past on it. What's what's happening tonight? Yeah, we're going to take a look at Spider, Penny Parker's Shadow of the Past Nemesis set. Um, mm. And uh, tonight I get to talk all about the Nemesis character Morbius. Oh. Yeah. Now, there was a recent movie with Morbius in it. Jared Leto. Really? Maybe you, yeah, maybe you saw this. Um, I'll give you a quick recap here, okay? So, after a desperate attempt to save his own life, Dr. Michael Morbius stalks the night as Morbius, the living vampire. Uh, suffering from like this rare blood disease, Morbius' turn turns to a cure that uses the vampire bat DNA. It mutates him into a blood-sucking creature of the night, of course. Uh, he's like a pseudo-vampire. And initially, he's an adversary of Spider-Man and Blade, but at a certain point becomes sort of this anti-hero vigilante who struggles with his insatiable lust for blood and his subsequent efforts to cure his horrific What? Yeah. You didn't see this movie? It was terrible. Think? It was terrible. What was this movie? I have it's not called, seen it. It's called Morbius. Okay. That, right? Morbius. And it has Jared Leto in it, and I don't know who else is in it. Uh, but it has Spider-Man a, and Blade? Well, not the movie. So this, well, that's the comic. It does have a crossover with the multiverse. We see the Michael Keaton vulture in it at the end. Oh. Uh, which makes no sense whatsoever, according to the rest of their time travel rules and multiversal rules. So that's perfect for Marvel, because there's always some exception that doesn't make any sense. Wow, that's very cool and very wrong. Wait, what do you mean wrong? Um, Morbius is an acronym. It doesn't look like the picture. It's an, no, it's not. It's Dr. Michael Morbius. You pulled a Daniel. I pulled a Daniel? Oh, no. You pulled a Daniel. Wrong Morbius, I'm afraid. M-O-R-B-I-U-S. Wrong universe. We're not in 616. What are we in? Yeah, well, I guess we're in... I don't I don't know which one we're in then. Penny are you Parker. Talking? Penny Parker. Oh, I guess maybe a... Yeah. One, four, five, one, two. Oh, now I know exactly what you're talking about then. Oh, it could be an acronym because it spelled like one. Right. Okay, so you mean the massive kaiju Morbius that Penny Parker has to fight. That's the one. Okay, that, okay. That goes with the art more than what you were talking about before. Okay, good, because that other Morbius, I don't know what the comics are like for him, but the movie was not good, so. Um, I am so sorry you had to watch that. Yeah, even even my sons didn't like it, and they're oh. kind of action guys, so. <laughs> Steve, can I, I'm sorry, I have to address something Mike just said. You pulled a Daniel? <laughs> Isn't Mike the one that told us about the wrong hood or something? Yeah, but that one? wasn't my fault. So. <laughs> oh, that was unintentional. I don't Which think I've ever gotten the wrong guy. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway. Got, all right, all right. Uh, since I understand we're talking about this massive kaiju, I thought we should then... let's Let's talk about kaiju in general first before we talk about morbius specifically can we do that yeah let's do it okay so 
Kaiju is a Japanese word that literally translates into strange creature. Huh. Okay, but of course, English, you know, we corrupted it, and it just, in English, it just means monster. Um, some of our best known kaiju is the Gojira or Godzilla. We all know Godzilla, right? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah radioactive lizard. Right. Mothra, Ghidorah, Rodan, etc., etc. So this whole kaiju phenomenon starts in the 1930s with King Kong in the U.S. Okay. Released in the U.S. in the 30s. It is then re-released in 1952 in Japan, and the Toho Studios picks up this idea, latches on to code the, these kaiju, these giant monster things, and they start making their Gojira movies. The Toho Studios, from a side note here, is I, they're the ones who like produce a Kurosawa films and stuff. I love those movies. So, Oh, they're great. Yeah. Not related to the, the kaiju, though. <laughs> um, so we have Gojira. Or Godzilla, depending on which for, you know what language you want to use. Uh, do you guys know what that Gojira stands for? It's actually co- a combination of two Japanese words. Any guess? Uh, something to do with the bomb. That's wrong, Daniel. No. Mm. Gojira. Gojira. I don't know. Is it fear? It's the no. It is. It means uh, a gorilla whale. Oh really? Oh, yeah. disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, Mike, you touched on the right. You, you touched on something right there because the the A bomb is fresh in the minds of the Japanese people in the fifties. Okay, so and that's sort of where this all comes out of. These creatures in the movies are created from the radiation. It's fairly popular. If th- these creatures become pretty popular because of that cultural mindset that's going on at this point oh this my point. gosh can we do it can we do an aside to this aside yeah oh like the original godzilla movie was totally an analogy of the atomic bomb because the whole movie it's this this fear of this inevitable that might happen and might not and it it takes a lot there's a lot of buildup, and it's just capturing the fear of the time and then godzilla just happens and destroys everybody everything and nobody can stop it and you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. He's created by radiation. Right. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. And then they started making more and, you know, it got weird from there. Yeah, it gets weird from there. <laughs> uh, like Rambo. So the, yeah. <laughs> it got weird after the first one. After the first one. Yeah, well, so these monsters, they tend to be, they tend to appear to be mutated animals. Um, wild beasts, right? Radiation created monsters that destroy cities. There's actually a point where some of these kaiju are agents of some greater evil or they're controlled by aliens or there's some there's some odd stuff that happens later on in these movies. But um, typically the kaiju are fairly basic creatures and it isn't until much, much later on that they will take on like heroic or complex personalities. Right, we'll see Godzilla become a good guy kind of and protect cities against other kaiju, that kind of thing. Like Mechagodzilla. Right. Uh, but technically, technically, because it's the best kind of, technically Godzilla is a die kaiju, or a greater strange creature, the die part meaning big or great, okay? It's like in stature, or? Yeah, it's he's huge, right? I mean, he's like yeah. the size of a building, right? A skyscraper. Um, but, okay, hang on. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, because I know there's people out there who love this stuff, but in conventional biological terms... These daikaiju are flatly impossible. Okay? But radiation. Radiation. 
No, they're they're flatly impossible to. Okay, let me explain. Um, so our largest normal animal to ever existed is the blue whale at two hundred tons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, the largest normal land animal is undoubtedly like one of the Mesozoic sauropods, tipping the scale around a hundred tons. Okay. Uh, and our most massive living thing as some redwood trees estimated at 2,100 tons. Wow. But these kaiju, these daikaiju, measure in at thousands of tons. And according to J.D. Lee's Godzilla Compendium, uh, there's a kaiju named Anagurus, who's 33,000 tons, Gabara, 22,000 tons, and Godzilla, depending on your version, he comes in between 20,000 and 60,000 tons. Okay? So... We're talking about physically impossible creatures. There's not enough biological energy or biological structures for these creatures to exist. Steve, I'm disappointed. The energy comes from the radiation. We know that. Well, okay. All right. So we're getting there. <laughs> good. Okay, good. We know that all right, from the end. Because if Godzilla was a biological animal at this size, his weight would simply shatter his bones of his legs instantly. Oh, yeah. He, radiation won't help with that. He wouldn't even be able to take a step. They, they would, okay. the bones would, they just couldn't bear his standing weight. Um, but I thought the water helped with that. Oh, maybe. But he walks on land, right? He walks on land. Yeah, so, you'd think he'd be deconditioned too, right? So let's let's pretend his Godzilla's <laughs> like is laughing at the, the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear her in the background, she can hear you guys too. Oh, good. Uh, so let's pretend Godzilla's legs were even solid columns of bone. Mm-hmm. They still couldn't bear the weight. His, Godzilla's immense mass is so great, it's so beyond the structural limits of bone and ligament and cartilage and tendon, that if Godzilla happened to fall down, the shearing force would just tear his head right off. Well. Wow. Okay. I don't know. I, I quibble with this because I believe his legs are probably like anatomically proportional to his body size that it would keep him upright. Don't forget he also has that monstrous tail. All right, all right. Maybe not the research I did deep dive you know here. But you know what? It's, it's not any fun, though. I understand it's, it's not any fun right. to say Just they can't. Keep exist. ruining people's childhood, Steve. It's fine. All right. Yeah. All right. So I don't want to ruin anyone's childhood. With your so, real life stuff, with your science, Steve. So we need an engineer to design Godzilla and CAD and tell us what the, the weight restraints are. Is what you're saying. <laughs> I think that's well, it. What I'm saying is that we're going to pretend that they just simply aren't normal animals. And they aren't. They're not, kaiju are not animals. They are unique creatures that have unique traits. Okay. That means that they could exist, possibly, because here's here's some of these traits that they have that a regular radiated animal just doesn't have, okay? Um, we know that they're singular creatures. There's not a species, right? They don't reproduce. There are, there's, there's not, like, a species of Godzillas, per se, okay? And each one is, like, taxonomically diverse we have some of these kaijus are mammals some are reptiles one's a mollusk um hedora was a slime mold okay <laughs> uh we're close enough right uh, well i would imagine a slime mold could be any size yeah yeah exactly uh they do seem to be structurally identical to their various animal sorts right they have limbs and mouths and stuff but their size does outstrip biological thresholds just based on the planet um, and despite this, they don't—they do not have evidence of normal biology. They don't eat. They, we don't see them eating. 
if they do eat, it's not even close to what they would need to survive, right? Like, how much would a lizard the size of Godzilla have to eat every single day? Yeah, right? Japan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> this is my favorite one. They never poop. We've never, there's no evidence that a kaiju ever drops a deuce. Nobody goes to the bathroom in the movies. Yeah, you don't see anyone poop in the movies. You don't like, see gremlins poop. Do you think, like, the Fellowship of the Ring never went pee? Like, you just don't show it. The only, the only evidence we have of monster poop in the movies is Jurassic Park. There you go. When we see people poop because Godzilla will smash a building in half and there'll be a guy sitting on the toilet reading a newspaper, right? Water sprays up everywhere and he screams. Okay? Um, That's Jurassic Park. I, I just don't believe that we find no movie evidence of poop to be indicative of anything right now that would, def- would defy their reality. Based on a true story. We don't see him eat. We don't see him excrete. So we're okay. Um, let's let's add on top of this. They can survive under the sea for an indefinite periods of time. They can survive in a vacuum. We've seen this. They survive buried underground. They don't really breathe. That's the other thing. They don't really breathe. Um, at least not, right? They don't have to breathe. Okay. And they all tend to have some sort of a wacky power. Like, right, Godzilla has radioactive breath. Ghidorah shoots gravity beams. Rodan can negate gravity around him. Um, so these are our traits of a crazy kaiju, not an, not a basic animal that just happens to be mutated by whatever powers. So if they aren't just regular animals like that, where do they come from? That's the question, right? Where are they coming from? Where are they coming from, Steve? There we go. Thank you. Okay. So if you do your research and you watch a million of these movies, we, we find out that scientists discover a natural nuclear reactor. Which, there's nothing odd about that, right? Radioactivity... Hold on, let me get there. Radioactivity occurs in nature enough that it's not odd, right? We have radioactive elements. They exist. Okay. Uh, They're not normally refined by nature naturally. Man typically refines them, right? Okay. Uh Blah, 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 blah. Nerd resource after nerd resource, okay. Boom. By sheer luck or... eventual statistical chance over millions of years with just the right combinations of life and radiation combined and we have kaiju because there was like page after page after page in this very well-written what appeared to be a scientific journal about this that i just couldn't get through it was so thick with science on how this could this could explain the existence of a kaiju in the kaiju universes where we see see them okay Sure. So, okay. Bang. All right. Basically, it's pure luck that this thing exists, uh, and that creates our kaiju from from that. Okay. But not to be confused, we don't want to confuse these kaiju with like the false kaiju, aka time traveling T Rex, or even King Kong, which kicked it all off. King Kong is not a kaiju, um, because Kong, as you remember, dies to a machine gun mounted on the back of a biplane. Okay, and a real kaiju, they're nearly impossible to kill. You, you just can't do it. Uh, at least man can't do it. Okay. Yeah, occasionally we see them defeated, right? There's, well, there's a couple times we think they're dead, but no, they're not. They return for another movie franchise because you can't take down Manda or Varan like that, right? They yeah, just don't you, can't take a, you can't keep a good kaiju down. No, you can't. Because of all the, the existence of the, the way the kaiju are created, and they're just, they're basically, they're basically walking nuclear reactors okay. because because of their bi- biology with everything we've talked about. But they are clean reactors, right? They don't produce byproduct. 
They don't give off residual radiation minus Godzilla's breath, Wait, right? Yeah. Okay, that's a specific power he has. But Byproducts? Just, a walking kaiju? Well, I mean, if you stand next to uh, Mothra, you don't die of radiation poisoning. No, you I'm die saying. of Mothra. <laughs> okay, but it's still a clean <laughs> nuclear reactor, okay? He's not giving off this radiation that that created him or propels him forward. Okay. Um, and Mike, I'm not sure that you can equate like the wake of disaster behind one of these things with a natural byproduct. I can't? No. No. Okay. I assume Mothra could walk through a city and not destroy things if he wanted to. It's our fault for building our cities so close together? And our buildings tall. so close together? Yeah. Totally totally in Japan, yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there is this if, the, there is this question. If we kill one of these kaiju, if we were able to actually kill one, I mean, what should we do that right now whatever biological forces are regulating that that nuclear energy inside the kaiju has stopped what sort of decay does that create uh what do you i mean and what do you do with a thirty thousand ton radioactive monster corpse right um uh, great question great question let's let's ask dr mandibus oh you might know yeah that that's a that's a basically the kaiju biology that that's my version well, of the kaiju steve, biology steve that's fascinating and all but well, wait wait did you know that godzilla is actually marvel canon well i hope so he appears in his own self-titled comic in 1977 that lasts for 24 issues wait 24 he's like 24. the hero he is the main character in the godzilla unleashed or something like that uh co- marvel comics so oh, he has he has more appearances than Santa. He has more appearances than the Green Gobbler. He has more appearances than Yotat. He has more appearances than <laughs> half of the Nemesis ones we've done. And he has more appearances than Morbius, who we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, speaking of that, Steve. Right. Morbius. Did any of what you just talked about, Kaiju, have anything to do with this guy? It does, because Morbius is a Kaiju. Oh, Morbius appears in all of one issue. Okay. Morbius is the code name, right? M-O-R-B-I-U-S. It's a code name given to this kaiju by Oscorp scientists that this Morbius attacks New York City in this other multiverse. It latches on to the electrical grid and starts sucking down the energy from the grid. And while it's doing that, it's receiving news feeds and internet feeds and then starts rebroadcasting them. So... It's like reading the stock exchange ticker, like, you know, it's screaming it. Well, that doesn't sound evil. No, I mean, it's it's about to brown out New York City and and take down the whole power grid for, you know, the eastern seaboard or whatever. But while it's doing it, it's giving you the news. Um, <laughs> uh, so they call on Spider, Penny Parker, in her spider suit to go take it out. Uh, spider is not able to. Morbius disables Spider, knocks the suit out, and defeats Penny. And Venom, V-E-N, hashtag M, the ally that we get, uh, which is piloted by Addy Brock, shows up and destroys Morbius, killing it to the disappointment of the evil scientists who want to study it. But you Uh, said you can't kill a kaiju. In this universe, with a giant mech suit, so this right, the the Venom suit is like one of these Gundam suits. It's as big as a kaiju. Okay. 
like Evangeline or you know Gundam. What are the other ones? Uh, Mike, you you got to know this. Anime mech suits, right? Pacific big Rain giant robots. Rain. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. it Addy Brock like is Voltron able to. and stuff. Yeah. They can yep. kill anything. It's great. Okay. Yep. Right, yep. Great. Takes it out. And what do you do with a thirty thousand ton radioactive monster corpse? Well, that was your what? question from earlier. Do you have it an is. answer with Morbius? Well, what happens with Morbius is it infects the Venom suit. Oh. Eddie Brock disappears. Um, uh, Aunt May goes to try to save Eddie Brock, and Aunt May disappears. They finally crack open the suit, and it's just it, – it's almost like a kaiju symbiote going on in there. It's really confusing. Um, but the Morbius is gone, Eddie Brock is gone, and Aunt May is gone. Oh, that's, that's it? That's it. Shows up, gets defeated. Never answered the question of what happened to the rest of it at the end of it. Because then Spider Penny Parker joins the edge of the Spider-Verse stuff and goes off to fight somebody else new, the Inheritors or somebody, whatever. So, and Are you telling me Morbius is not an acronym despite it's spelled that way? It is. They never tell you what it stands for. I think we should make it up. I think our listeners should make it up and send it to us. Yep. Mike will tell you how to do that later, guys. Yep. I better do that then. What does Morbius stand for? Since it's a code name given by scientists. Oscorp scientists, so they're bad guys. Yeah. But they didn't bring them into existence. They just. No, they never tell you where it comes from or why it's there. I mean, it must have, you know, it's just spawned. Yeah. 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 So that was my long way around instead of having four sentences to talk about. Yeah. I guess you did exactly what you had to do. That was fantastic, Steve. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to link a, I will provide a link in the show notes to this Kaiju scientific study. I mean, it's, it's all theory and, you know, fan, whatever, obviously it's not real, but it was really good read. And it, there was so much more of it. I just, uh, people who are into that might appreciate it. So, you know how like Godzilla often had like tsunamis and stuff around him. Mm-hmm. That could have been from pooping. No, that's just, it's movement. It's no, physical movement, not it's bowel movement. Because no, there's they. You, you would have seen in one of the millions of movies, somebody step in it. Some scientists try to <laughs> study from <laughs> it. So, you know what I mean? Like you never see them eat. They never eat. Uh, so they might they might chew somebody up, but that's just combat. That's not sustenance. Well, all right, Steve. This. Maybe hey, let's look at some cards. Yeah, this nonsense has gone on long enough. We're going to look at the Spider Nemesis modular set that comes in the Penny Parker pack. Sinister Motives Wave. It's your standard one. One obligation, five Nemesis cards, three by title. And um, typically, Mike reads our obligation. So, as always, as always, this is inherited burden. It is an obligation. What is going on in that art with that teddy bear chair? Yeah. Okay, anyways, uh, give to the Penny Parker player. You may flip to alter ego form. Choose either exhaust Penny Parker to remove inherited burden from the game, pretty standard, or choose and discard one interface upgrade you control. Discard this obligation, and it has two boost icons. You know what most unsettles me about this one? The teddy bear? No, but that if you look at the furniture, the bed, and the dresser, it's clearly Ikea. (laughs) Because you see how the drawers are the same and under the bed and the dresser? Like it's a set, like a bedroom set. Yeah. So I have a tiny piece of lore to go along with this card because, like, how does this have to deal with Morbius or whatnot, right? 
Yeah, how does it, this have to deal with Morbius? It doesn't. It has to do with Penny Parker, though. Are the obligations so, ever deal with the Nemesis, right? No. Yeah, how, they, how does this deal with Penny Parker? Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. When she was nine, her father died. Like any good Disney movie. Um, yeah. But he dies piloting the spider suit. It's his suit first. And she's informed by her Uncle Ben and Aunt May that she's the only person able to carry on the project of the spider suit because of DNA and things like that. So she accepts the responsibility at the age of nine uh, and allows the radioactive spider that forms part of the spider suit's CPU to bite her, allowing her to merge with it and pilot the suit. So she's inherited this burden from her dead father. They sent a nine-year-old to kill a kaiju? Well, no, she's a teen by the time this happens. They sent a teen to kill a kaiju? Yeah, yeah, she's a kid. In the Into the Spider-Verse movie, she's much younger, too, so, yeah. Cowards. Anyway, um, yeah, how about that? How about that inherited burden? Huh. Standard? I mean, Steve, you can maybe back me up on this, but that second option, choose and discard an interface upgrade. You're never exhausting to defend as her until you see this obligation go away, right? Because that's awful. Bullet point two is the worst, the worst thing you could have happen to her. Yeah, it is terrible. Like you just you don't do it. Yeah, I, I mean sometimes you have to defend, but um, yeah, you do not want to lose an, an interface upgrade because that is effectively her economy. Yeah, yeah. And she has a really poor hand size, so you can't bank on cards. Oh, that's a rough one. I don't see uh, anyone ever doing that. No, unless you're forced to. Right? Unless you're forced, but like, oh. Yeah, you, this is like a play around obligation. You wait for it to appear, and then you, like, maybe even want to fish it out somehow. I don't know. If we ever get cards where you can do that, I would try to fish this out so I can not have to deal with it. Speaking of villain tempo, right, that is a thing that the villains can do more than they do in this game, and that's exhaust people. Yeah, then you get you hit know? by all these other choices, yeah. So. Hmm. All right, Steve, why don't you tell us about the kaiju of the hour? Okay. M-O-R-B-I-U-S is a non-unique minion. I don't know how many nemesis we have that are non-unique other than this enraged symbiotes. Um, two scheme, two attack, six health. It has the creature trait. Forced response. After the engaged hero generates any number of resources, deal an equal amount of damage to that hero. Mm. It's Spider's Nemesis minion. Two boost icons. This is a threat unlike any you faced before, Uncle Ben. Uh, great minion for her. Oh, it's yep. yeah, it, yeah, it's so well. Yikes. All right. Right, because Penny Parker has a three-hand size. All her stuff, you're exhausting to generate resources. I mean, I don't know. Any... Everybody generates resources to do anything. To play any card, you must create a resource. Discarding cards from hand, exhausting cards that generate resources. Oh, anything. Exhausting, or sorry, discarding cards counts? That generates a resource, correct. Oh, my goodness. So, and it's really bad for any hero. Um, You have to be able to kill this thing off quick, or every time you generate a resource, you take damage. If you want to put out a an upgrade that's going to help you kill it, you're going to take damage to however much it costs, right? Because you generate three resources to put out a three-resource card, you take three damage. Yeah. Cool. It, it's wow. it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Okay. So you want to do a swinging web kick into it. That's three damage you take. Uh, so, yeah. Yikes. Okay. 
yeah, it's it's cool. Um, and it has six health, so it's not a super quick pushover. Is it for her, though? Uh, well, it's because she has to generate resources to do anything, and she does not have any... What's her attack? It's pretty it's low, a, isn't it? It's like a two, and if you happen to have the attack thing out, you could push her up to a four. And then you could use her host spider to ready her and attack again for two more. So you'd have to use up most of a turn to take it out. Okay. Like, I mean, you'd have to have you have to use up two out of like her five interfaces. You have to have the right ones out, all that kind of stuff. So I see. Yeah, that's pretty rough there. Yeah, we'll love it. It's a creature. It is. Okay, pop quiz. Let's play our little game. Oh, we've already done this one. I know. Do you remember it? No. Like, how okay. many creatures are in the game? Right. Seven. Uh, we're going to just do minions, enemies. Okay, bad guys. Okay, oh. Daniel says seven. That's, that's, that's fine. Mike? Uh, nine. And I'll say eight. Oh, it's eight. I win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice, Steve. Yeah. Steve? Oh, you were going by title? Yeah, of course. Oh, man. I was going by each, each copy. No, you weren't. <laughs> Well, like all good nemesi, of course, nemeses, this this creature wants to do something. It it has a side scheme, guys. It's a giant monster attack. Morbius is laying siege to the city, wreaking havoc and siphoning energy from its power grid. As an additional cost to thwart this scheme, you must spend an energy resource. It's got a crisis icon, four threat, and three boost. I like this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty good. Um, that... Combos really well if you pull Shadow of the Past, right? Because you have to generate the resource to thwart it, which is going to cause Morbius to damage you. Yep. Uh, we note, though, that you can use non-thwart methods to get rid of giant monster attack, which sure. we now have. Mostly those shield cards and you know things like it. Right. right. Yeah, like if um, I don't know, Ant-Man has a card, you know, when he flips, you remove one. It's not a thwart action, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. And he's a jerk. He does a lot of things that bypass fun things. All right, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. I agree, he is a jerk, so there's yeah. no more to say. Move on. All right, those are all singletons. This treachery, there are three copies of. It is Energy Drain. When revealed, if you're an alter ego, choose to either spend two energy resources or exhaust your identity. When revealed in hero form, choose to either spend two energy resources or take three damage. Oh. Yeah, that's a thing. One boost. Uh, yeah, one boost icon. Uh, two energy resources is a lot for her. For anyone. For anyone. But especially for her, because that, that just totally ruins her turn. Totally yep. ruins it. Some people can get by, but yeah, that's harsh. Uh, she can take some damage, though. She has a fairly high damage threshold, I believe. Isn't yeah, it 14? Like 14 health to start with, yeah. So that three's not bad for her, but that this is one of those will really hurt the other people you're playing with. Uh, exhausting your identity? Yeah, that's bad for a lot of people well and alter ego so maybe you flipped so you were you were planning to exhaust and heal well now you can't because yep. you had to exhaust already because you didn't have mm -hmm. two energy right if you don't have the two you have to do the other side the other option yep and and if you happen to be engaged with morbius you're taking damage for doing it yeah i like it yeah and th this is the art right out of the comics where it's attached to these digital billboards and it's it's talking. There's like, you can't see the conversation bubbles above his head, but he's like shouting, you know, news feeds from J. Jonah Jameson as he's trying to kill Spider. 
That's fantastic. This is a good set. Yeah, I like it. It's it works well with itself. It makes sense together. Uh, I think the theme hits pretty good with the creature itself. It's all energy resources, the radiation, the fact that it's sucking off the power grid. Um, yeah, it's I mean, neat. I feel like we could add more different cards. Three of the same. I don't know. Oh, but that's all these ones, though. Uh, Nemesis sets are always like that. Well, Steve, Mike, you guys know Penny Parker's story a lot better than I do. Is there? Oh, that's that's there assuming something... a lot. Well, <laughs> okay. Do you know a little bit more than nothing? <laughs> uh, I know what Steve told me today. Okay, I know a little bit more than nothing. Is there? Would there have been a, a nemesis that made more sense? Okay, so yes and no. Okay, this character fights Penny Parker and only Penny Parker until Venom shows up. Okay, and Penny Parker does interact and face off and square off against a bunch of other villains, okay. the Inheritors, for example, right? All sorts of stuff, but it's all tied to the to the Spider-Verse. So everybody's fighting these other characters. This one specifically is just Morbius versus Penny. And then Penny goes gets sucked in whole hog to the Spider-Verse stuff and never really gets solo stuff where it's like just her fighting this character over and over again. So okay. it does make sense. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, considering it shows up in one issue yeah uh, i mean the definition yeah. of nemesis though doesn't that require like repeated altercations right i mean but it's also suggests that it's like mano y mano right it's like the these two have something against each other and the, all the other villains that penny fights they're they're fighting all the spider people mm -hmm. all the spider people are involved so which is why i don't think we get something else as a nemesis set because those those villains would be good as modular sets because they square off against a lot of people. Gotcha. All right. That's my thought. Mike, what's your letter grade for this one? Oh, we grade these sets? We grade everything. I mean, I'm a little disappointed that Morbius doesn't have the radioactive trait. I feel like that's a lost opportunity. But otherwise, this is, this is great amazing. I like it a lot. Wow. Okay. It's a good I'm set. Gonna the, I'm going to give it a B. Okay. Now, I, I like, just want more. Nobody has a radioactive trait, by the way. <laughs> well, how many things are radioactive? It's got to start somewhere. Even radioactive man doesn't have the radioactive trait. He is like, and if this yeah, thing's really a kaiju, how does it only have six health? Yeah, it should probably be tough with eight health. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, because I'm going to be honest right now, it is not a threat unlike any we faced before. Uncle Ben no. was wrong. Well, in the sense that if you generate resources, it damages you. That is a, that is unique. That's not something any other character does to us yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i playing penny I, I don't like seeing this come up <laughs> sure I'll tell you that so which is good that you know it's neat um i kind of wish we had more characters that when you generated resources or you played cards or you did those things the heroes are doing um punishes you for it right right yeah. when a card enters your discard pile do this yeah right. Yeah, there's some game space. There you go. There you go, Tommy. We need we need villains that react more than we have. Yeah. Ooh, reveal X and counter cards where X is the number of upgrades and supports you have in play. Yikes. Ooh, there we go. Sounds like you're making another modular set, Mike. Oh, I think Krampus is coming back. Krampus 2, The Reckoning. All right. Well, 
Mike, we've tasked our listeners with coming up with the acronym for Morbius. How did they do that? We did. Hey, listeners, please tell <laughs> us the acronym for Morbius. <laughs> uh, I want to know your villainous acronyms. You can email it us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can also find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Fun Loaf, and Wandering Took. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Gojira, take us out. Is here. Like that. You don't have Mike just go grr.